Well, today, as I mentioned, we're going to have a tag team whirlwind of a message from Pastor Hannah, myself, and Pastor Elena. It's going to be a great time. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Carson, I think you're the only guy that can do that, that heavy one. Everybody else drags it around. Do some reps, man. And I'm thankful also that my Bible was up here because I lost it. You guys were going to be in for a off-the-rails message, but thankfully here it is. All right, so listen, it's going to be a great time as we dig into what the Lord wants to teach us. But let me just start with saying this. I, I feel like if you're, if you're in a position where you have not really heard a whole lot of messages about the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, you maybe you have heard some messages, but I, I just want to remove any guilt if I can right now and say, relax. This is biblical. It's a blessing. It's a gift. And I want you just to be able to take a deep breath and say, Lord, if it's of you, I want it. Amen. In Acts chapter 19, we see a great example of what we can expect. I want to just start with this phrase, something more. There's something more. Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, the scripture reads, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for the repentance of sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. To unpack this before we get into the meat of the message, understand that in Acts chapter 19 is one example of many in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written in such a way as a letter describing what happened in the early church. The book of Acts also ends with an open-ended passage. In other words, it doesn't say the end. It doesn't say, and that's it. And that's all that happened. The Holy Spirit was done. None of that is true. The book of Acts is open-ended because, friends, you and I live in the church age, which was started in the book of Acts which means that you and I can experience the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, be filled by the Holy Spirit, enjoy the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and so on. For far too long, the church has found division in this topic. It, bo it boggles the mind that we're saying, well, what's in Scripture is not for us today. First of all, there's all these terms, Pentecostal, full gospel, spirit-filled, when you talk about denominations. 
Can I just say the most simplest way that we can approach it is if it's in the word of God, then it's for us today. See, that's where the church got in trouble is they started beginning to say, well, that was for them and, and this only applies to that. And, and we need to understand that context is one thing, but the basis that finds the Holy Spirit moving in town after town, in generation after generation, in person after person, in tribe after tribe, in both Gentile and Jew, is enough for us to make the conclusion that this is applicable and open to us today. To us as believers. Make no mistake, friends, the Holy Spirit was given for the believer. Paul found, as he, as in verse 1 declares, several believers. Now, Paul had the, the audacity to ask believers, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? Here again, to address some misunderstanding and misconceptions in, in denominational lines and in doctrine. If this were to happen today and, and Paul were to walk into a church that that believes that the Holy Spirit in this context is not applicable to the church today. Hey, how are you doing? I'm Paul. Hey, I'm a believer upon Jesus. I'm a member of the church or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we, we all know membership of the church and being a believer in Jesus are not exclusive, correct? There's a whole lot of members of a whole lot of churches that I got questions about. Amen. But at the end of the day, it would be almost offensive if Paul were to ask, well, have you received the Holy Spirit? Well, of course I have. I just told you I'm a believer. You with me? And yet he asked, have you received the Holy Spirit? Why would he ask that? Because there is an additional opportunity for the believer called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We also find that the baptism in Jesus, as he, was de de as he was declaring and reminding them that John told you that Jesus would come and baptize in two things, fire and the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's something new, there's something vibrant, there's something powerful that is on the way, if you will just be open to receive it. Today, we'll explore stories very different stories and very different experiences. Uh, it is my prayer that you would lean in and say, Lord, show me something new today. Amen? Lord, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts as we begin to learn from you. Teach us, Lord. Teach us about the power that we can receive, we can walk in, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you welcome our kids pastor, Pastor Hannah, as she comes. Hello. So as he said, my name is Hannah, and I am the kids pastor here. And I am really excited to get to speak with you guys today. Um, but just a little disclaimer, because I always work with the kids, I am a little bit more goofy. So if I throw some jokes in there, um, please laugh, even if it's not funny. It'll make me feel better. All right. So thank you. Um, but as you know, today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And I know many of you have experienced the Holy Spirit before. Some of you have maybe even got to experience the Holy Spirit for the first time last night at our worship night. And um, for that, I'm so thankful. Um, but 
You may or may not know, but I was born and raised in the Pentecostal church. So uh, both of my parents were uh, believers. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. When I was born, we started going to a Pentecostal church uh, that was spirit-filled and experiencing a revival. And so the things of the Holy Spirit were things that I was just born into and raised into, and it was always something that was um, a part of my life and a part of my walk with the Lord. Um, I knew that there was this filling of the Holy Spirit and this, or this baptism of the Holy Spirit that was going to come one day, and um, that was something that, you know, I was excited for. I was little, but, you know, I was, I was uh, kind of born into those type of experiences. Um, but today I'm going to talk to you about asking, specifically about asking to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, but you can apply these same principles to other areas in your uh, walk with the Lord. But we're going to look at some verses, and I'm going to read them off pretty fast. So if you have your Bible, just get ready. You're going to have to flip the pages really quickly. Um, so Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the doors will be opened to you. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And on John 14, 13 and 14, and this is Jesus speaking when he says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So God is telling us in his word that when we have a need that he wants us to ask for it. And God would not tell you to do something so many times if he didn't actually want you to do it. In fact, God would not even tell you one time to do something that he didn't want you to do. Uh, maybe some of you have been in one of these uh, kind of complicated conversations before, uh, maybe with like a spouse or a parent, and they tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, deep down, the way they're saying to do it, you know that you are not actually supposed to do that because you would be in trouble. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to go into any details. My mom and my husband are both in here today, so... You know, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but sometimes you just know the tone of voice is saying, don't do that. Well, God is not complicated. God doesn't put anything in his scripture with a different tone of voice that he doesn't want you to do. So when God tells us to ask for things from the Lord, he wants us to ask for things from the Lord. And um, uh, yeah, so sometimes we think in our head like, well, we don't need to ask because God knows what we need. Yes, God does know what you need, but he wants you to ask for those things so that when he gives you what you need, your faith can be built. Because if you never asked and he just gave it to you, you might think it just happened. And so God wants to build your faith. So you ask and then God will help you receive. Um, and this is what happened to me when I received the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I first experienced the Holy Spirit, I had just turned six years old. So I was a little kid, uh, just this little girl with the pigtails running into kids' church. And um, my kids' pastor at the time, her name was Amber, and she believed that children could receive the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons we have your kids in here today is because I believe that kids can receive the Holy Spirit. And this is something that I experienced in my life. It's something that we believe as a church and something that we think is for everybody. You don't have to wait till you become a teenager or an adult to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, but even your kids can experience that gift from God. 
And she believed that kids could receive the Holy Spirit. And so she told us, if anybody in here wants to receive the Holy Spirit, I want you to just come down to the front and sit on the floor and we're going to pray for you. So I ran down to the front and I remember laying face down on the floor, just crying and crying and saying, Jesus, I want you, I want you, I want you. And I didn't understand everything of the Holy Spirit, but I knew I wanted God. And um, eventually, nothing really happens. Some time goes by. And my mom comes and picks me up from kids' church, and I go home. Uh, but before that, my teacher looked at me, and she said, Hannah, don't stop asking. And that was something that really spoke to me, because I asked for the Holy Spirit. I didn't receive it right away, but my teacher told me, don't stop asking. So if you're a parent in the room, you probably know exactly what it's like to have a kid who does not stop asking for something, uh, whether that be something good or something bad. Um, I've seen it a bunch of times, uh, just in the grocery store maybe, and there's at the checkout line, and uh, there's a little kid with a little toy or a piece of gum, and they're like, can I have this? Can I have this? Please, please buy this for me, please. And they just ask and ask and ask, and kids are so persistent um, in that way. But this is the faith of a child to never stop asking and never stop believing and knowing that God is going to give you something good. And um, I believe one of the reasons that your kids may ask you for something and ask you for something and ask you for something over and over again is because they know one of these days you're going to give it to them. And, but they know it's hardwired into their brain that mom and dad give me what I need. And so that's why they go to you. That's why they ask you for it. Because they know if anyone's going to give it to you, it's going to be mom and dad. That's how we should interact with God. If we, we should be hardwired into our brains to know that God is going to provide for us the things that we need. And we need to go to him and we need to ask him for those things. And keep being persistent. Never stop asking. Um, in Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? When I think of this verse, I imagine a little kid receiving a present. Uh, okay, like, I've said, like, I imagine a little kid a bunch of times. It's because I work with kids, so you just have to, you know, that's the things I relate everything in the Bible to. Um, but I imagine a kid receiving a present. They don't know what's inside, but they know and they get excited for what's inside. It could be anything. It could be dirty laundry. It could be your old shoe. Um, but they're excited by the idea of a present even though they don't know what's inside because they know mom or dad or aunt or uncle or whoever, they know the giver of the gift is good. And so therefore they want the gift because they know it must be good too. We know that God is good. Even if we don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit, we don't understand why he wants to give us this gift, but we know the giver, and we know that God is good, and his gifts must be good. This is how I saw the Holy Spirit growing up. I didn't fully understand the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what it was supposed to look like, what it was supposed to feel like, what it was supposed to sound like, but I knew it was more of God, and I wanted everything that God had for me. And so I went home, and every night I prayed, and I asked that God would send me his Holy Spirit. And a few days later, I was sitting, I was alone in my room. There was nobody with me. Uh, there wasn't music, there wasn't a worship team, there wasn't a pastor. 
I was just sitting there and praying and the Lord filled me with his Holy Spirit and I began to uh, speak in tongues and speak in this language that I had never learned. And that never left me. That experience always stayed with me. And I'm always, it's always gonna be a memory that I hold really close to my heart. And I've told your kids this already, but I'll tell you guys this now, is that I view the Holy Spirit as like my oldest and my closest friend. Because I was so little when I received the Holy Spirit that I can hardly even remember a time in my life when I didn't have him with me. And I can tell you, I could go on to tell you specific instances where the Holy Spirit has guided my life. And it has been um, an amazing thing to experience. Um, did this make me a perfect child? No. Okay, you can ask my mom, she's over there. Um, did I make mistakes? Yes, but I never doubted that God would do everything that he told me that he would do because I saw him as a friend. And I'll be honest, I still don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit, okay? And I literally went to school for it. I've got a degree in my office that says this girl knows the Bible, um, but I don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit. And I believe that none of us are gonna fully understand everything about God until we get to heaven. Um, but you do not have to understand in order to believe. And that is the faith of the child, the faith of a child, to believe without proof that God can do everything he has said he'll do and to ask and to ask and to ask and to ask, even if it doesn't happen right away. Um, I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was three years old and I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was six. And I believe that God allowed me to have these experiences at such a young age because he knew that I was going to be a kid's pastor one day. And he knew that I was going to be working with kids who were three and who were six. And he wanted me to know without a shadow of a doubt that God could speak to children and that God could fill children with his Holy Spirit. But we all have different stories. And God has his perfect timing for your life that's going to go along with the story that he has for you. And so... This is my message to you. If you have asked to receive the Holy Spirit before and you have not received the Holy Spirit yet, um, my charge is be like the kid in the candy aisle and don't stop asking. Thank you. All right, I'll say the same thing I said last time. I have to follow that. So I'll do my best, guys. Um, but anyways, my name is Elena Eves. Welcome to Greater Life Church. I am the youth pastor here, um, and I'm excited to be here this morning uh, to share a part of this message and to share a part of my story. So as Hannah kicked us off uh, by speaking about asking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a child would and having childlike faith, I would like to carry that on as I speak about the next point, which is to believe. So I'm gonna dive into believing God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, what is one thing that keeps us for, from believing things fully? I would say that's doubt, right? When we doubt, we aren't black or white or in or out. We're somewhere in the middle, unsure, confused, in the gray area. Doubting isn't bad in and of itself. It's just bad when we stay there. We can't stay there forever, right? Doubt should lead us to find answers or lead us to grow in trust. If we stay there, it makes us double-minded and unsure in all that we do. And the Bible says the same thing in James when encouraging the early Christians to pray for wisdom. He said it this way, James 1, 6 through 7. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. 
and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You might be thinking this is a little harsh, Elena. That's kind of heavy coming out the gates like that, but let's talk about it, okay? One way or another, we've all doubted. We can all agree, right? And it isn't really harsh if you think about it because I have doubts, many of you do too, and you've probably heard someone say, I don't really know how I feel about this or believe about this, and they go back and forth between different thoughts or, or beliefs on things. But a lot of times, they have no foundation, and we've all kind of been there especially leading to be in the faith that we believe, right? We all know someone like this, and even me, again, I've been back and forth between ideas and schools of thoughts, which you're going to learn about today, later on. I'll get to it. So it's true. Someone who doubts or isn't sure about what they believe is confused. They're tossed back and forth, as the scripture says. But what do we read next, right? It says a person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Wow, intense. Take a step back again right? Why should someone expect to get something they don't ask for, though? Think about it. Why should someone expect to get something that they don't believe for? In order to ask for it, they must believe for it. And the key word here is it says expect. And some other versions of it says suppose, which I think kind of means the same thing. Does that mean God doesn't show up? No, but he does show up, but we shouldn't expect it because as God's children, we should believe we are his children. He is our father, and we should believe in him. He expects that from us. But even when we are faithless, even when we doubt, even when, when we, we mess up, he is still faithful. He doesn't change. He's always the same. He wants us to believe he's able to intervene, though. He wants our belief. He wants our belief because what we believe God can do directly reflects who we believe God is. He is the God who can snap his fingers like Thanos and take out people, right? Not that he would, right? but he can, he's all-powerful. Do you believe that? We say that he is, but do you pray like it? He can do all things more than we can ask or imagine. Do we believe that or do we not? Our prayers show our faith or they show our lack of. Now, I say all this because I personally struggle with doubt, specifically with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and even more specifically with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I didn't understand it, I mean, I grew up very differently in church. Maybe some of you here can relate to that. I never saw someone speak in tongues publicly, let alone privately. I never learned about it or heard about it. I grew up in a very di different denomination. So it was very different than the AG here. And maybe some of you have always been an AG, but it's not always like that out there, okay? Um, <laughs> so maybe you relate or maybe you don't. But when I came here to Greater Life because of a friend, Grace, I ended up finding a place where I could experience the movement of the Holy Spirit. I felt something shift within me. It felt real here. It felt like people were really living for the Lord all in. I felt the Holy Spirit here, and some of you have felt that here as you've come. I was moved to tears during the worship, and the message cut me to the heart. Again, it's not all about being moved to tears, but those are just evidence of what God was doing in me, and I felt like this is where God wanted me to be. Until the day came that something tripped me up, right? I'm standing in service like you guys, and then someone speaks out in some weird language, and I'm like, what is going on? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I've went to church my whole life, I've never heard this. And I try, to, I try to look around now when it happens and try to find people like me. I'm like, I relate, I get you, it's okay, it'll get better. <laughs> but anyways, so I, I look around, I'm like, uh, is this like allowed? Is this allowed to be happening here? Like what's going on? But luckily, they come up and explain it a little bit, but I wanted to do some research of my own when it came to this. So I went to the place I shouldn't have gone, which was Google. 
<laughs> I started looking up, what is speaking in tongues? I don't get it, right? So I start searching it, and I just got more confused than before. I was like, there's extreme beliefs from one side to the other, and it's one denomination. I don't even want to get started with that. They scared me. They said, ooh, I don't know if the Holy Spirit, what? I don't know if speaking in tongues is from God. So I'm just like, all right, all right, all right. Let me read the scripture and what it says, okay? So now I go to the scripture, starting to think clear, which I should have started with scripture, right, guys? Uh, read your Bible. Um, I begin to see the scripture does talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it also talks about the evidence of speaking in tongues. So I start to read it, and I'm like, all right, the Bible says it. I can calm down a little bit. Um, and it says that not only can one person edify the church with the interpretation in, in a public setting, but you can actually have a private prayer language that can edify you as a spirit intercedes to God for you. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. But I did doubt at first. I was like, okay, I can understand the first one because I saw it, but the second, that's a little too personal for me. I don't know if I believe all that. But then I started to see some verses as I began to read more. 1 Corinthians 14 that says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. No, indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. And Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So here I am, I'm reading the scripture. I'm like, all right, all right, God, you got me. Scripture says it, but I'm still a little weirded out. I just don't understand this thing. It just doesn't fully make sense to me. It just feels odd because of what I grew up being used to right? And as I read in scripture, it talks about how the Holy Spirit comes to bring power to the believer. And Jesus spoke about how it would be good that he leaves because the Spirit would come to live inside of us to empower us to live for him. It says that John baptized with water, but we needed the Holy Spirit, as it talks about in Acts 1, 4 through 5, that you should wait for the Holy Spirit. In a couple of days from then, uh, they were going to have that time at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came on them. So if Jesus said they needed it, I think we need it, right? If they walked with Jesus himself, how much more do we need it? We need it to be empowered to live for God. We just had a Bible study with the youth, I think it was last week or the week before, and we, we were talking in Romans about how the Holy Spirit is the only way we can overcome sin. We can't try harder. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit is what helps us overcome the sin in our life. And we need it to do the good works that he's called us to do. On multiple occasions, Acts 2, 4 and Acts 19, 6, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was physically accompanied by the speaking in other languages. I personally was avoiding that part, okay? For me, I was like, Holy Spirit, I want you, but the tongues part, I don't, I don't know if that one's for me, right? Let me get a different gift right? But later I realized, why would I not want something that was encouraged for the believers to have? Why would I want to miss out on something that they needed? Something that I absolutely don't understand, but that's the beauty of it. It builds your faith to trust God even when things don't make sense. If we could understand everything about God, why would we need faith? The beauty of it is that we don't have to fully understand something in order to believe it. Something can be true even if you don't believe it. Something can be true even if you don't understand it, right? You can experience using an iPhone every day, but not many of you know the intricate parts that make it work and function at the high level that we use it, right? I see the stars in the sky, but I don't understand why they're there, but they are and I believe they're there. I may not understand why God sent the Holy Spirit to allow people to speak in tongues, 
And I might not understand how the brain and tongue and spirit all work together, but I don't have to understand that to know that it's real. Because when did the Bible stop being real? Just because we couldn't understand it. And will we ever fully understand it? And just because we haven't seen those things in our life doesn't make it any less real. Some of you might relate to this story. Some of you might need to hear this today like I did. Our whole reason we're here every Sunday is because we believe in God by faith. By faith. It's by faith that we believe what we believe. As Hebrews says, it's by faith. All the heroes of the faith are listed. It goes, it's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. That is the basis of why we are here right now. But we cannot doubt in this because it says if you doubt, you shouldn't expect to receive. One thing I notice is some of us, we doubt that it's real in general. Some of us doubt that God can do it. And others of us know God can do it, but don't believe that he can do it for us. But luckily for me, I was in that boat and God was gracious in my doubting. And he met me with his power through the small faith I had, even when it was something I didn't understand fully. The first time I prayed, I was going through the motions, not really believing that it was gonna happen. I was also kind of not sure if I wanted it to and nothing happened. So if that's happened to you, I get it. But then the second time, it all, these were spaced out. These weren't like back to back because I was kind of like, slowly getting there. The second time that I felt led to pray, I really, I had faith and it was little, but I had faith and it was enough. I know everyone has a different story, but for me, doubting was a part of that and it led me to belief. I prayed, God, if this is really something I'm supposed to have, I had to be really specific since the research I had done. Um, If this is really something that I'm supposed to have, if it's really you and only of you, Lord, even though it confuses me, I want what you want for me. I want you to allow me to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. It wasn't a fancy prayer. I was just being honest with God. I was sitting in my room with the door closed alone. And I remember my words started to be words in English that were not of my own. It was just coming to me like I was praying what God wanted me to pray. And I felt the Holy Spirit on me like I had felt before. But then all of a sudden it started to change to a different language. And I was like, whoa, this is it. But in the moment, I was just worshiping God. That's all I knew I was doing. I was worshiping, and it wasn't like something was taking over me. It was, it was holy, right? And I, I allowed God to be big and me to be small. That's the best way I can describe it. I got out of the way so that God could take over. It wasn't something I was out of control in. I could stop at any moment, but I didn't want to. I stayed in that moment as long as I felt like God wanted me to be in that moment. So... For me, that's how I experienced it. But it's different for all of us. Like Hannah said, everybody has a different story, right? And I encourage you though, maybe if you are like me and doubting, me a doubter, God proved wrong just to show me that I don't have to fully understand everything to believe it, that I can trust him and his word when he says it. So what does the Bible say about believing? It says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved and it will be done in Matthew 17, 20. So you don't need a mountain of faith. You just need a mustard seed today. A belief that God is still doing the things that he did in his word back then and more here today. We don't only read about it. Do we want to see it today in the church, in our lives? Do we go to church and get stuck in what's normal, what we've always known? Or do we let our Bibles be true, be the roadmap to our life, letting the pages become alive in our hearts and lives? Not just a sideline churchgoer, but a real warrior in the fight with the weapons God has given you to live for him.
Like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a tool that we all need. What's holding you back? Don't let it be doubt. All you need is faith of a mustard seed. Wow. I told you guys we're in for a treat. What a powerful word. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm just going to take a couple minutes and, and then we're going to close. But the third thing is to receive. And I want to I just address a few things if I can. First of all, unique experiences. Acts chapter 19, as we've already read, we saw Paul laying hands on a group of people that were believers they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues and prophesied as the scripture says. However, a different unique, unique experience is found in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10 verse 44, Peter is at a home where it's full of Gentiles. And the scripture says even as Peter was saying these things, he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Here again, we see the evidence of tongues present. However, there were no laying, no laying on of hands in this second instance. God did it. The testimony of the two preachers that we just heard was that they were prayed for and they did not experience until in their own quiet time in their own prayer. And then they experienced it. In my ministry years, I've seen people experience it in the moment at the altar. I've seen people go home and experience it in their own prayer time. At the end of the day, God is a wonderful, wonderful God who gives good gifts. These are unique experiences. The second thing is the unrealistic expectation. Again and again in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit comes upon people. Something is present something is identifiable, something changes. We can't really show what's happened in our hearts, yet the outside evidence of that is when we begin to praise God, prophesy, and speak in other tongues, and people around us can begin to recognize that something has taken place. It's also important to know that you are a participant in this. It is the Holy Spirit that enables you to speak in other tongues. However, it is you who begin to pray and make room for that to happen. It is a faith interaction. It requires our asking for it, and it requires our faith to believe for it, and then it requires our participation. The unrealistic expectation says that somehow, some way, something comes over you and you cannot control what is happening. That's not the way that God works. Unbelievable expressions is the third thing I'd like to address. <clears throat> when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was a teenager at, at camp. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I couldn't stand. My knees buckled beneath me and, and I was there for, I don't even know, time kind of stood still, but I was, I was there for 30 minutes or so and just kneeling, praying praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, weeping, laughing, everything was happening. It was a gambit of emotions, every single one I experienced. And in that moment, 
as I even would try to get up because I felt like, my goodness, I, I don't shouldn't be down here this long. My knees would buckle again because something was happening in my life at that moment. That unbelievable expression. And since that day, I can tell you that worship and prayer has, has been and continues to be something that I feel very powerfully in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for things I do not know or cannot comprehend. It has become a daily practice in my life, like Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. It has been described as the language of angels, a language as was already mentioned that God himself can hear and understand, a unique prayer language that we can use. Romans chapter eight tells us that even from the depths of our heart, as was mentioned, we make noises that are translated in the spirit realm to prayer. The gift of the Holy Spirit enables us to pray in this way and wage war against the kingdom of darkness in ways that we will never understand on this side of heaven. Here's how you miss it. You doubt it. I mean, Elena couldn't have said it any better. If you doubt it, you'll never receive. And here's how you miss it. Here's how you pray, very simple. Jesus is the baptizer of fire and of the Holy Spirit. It is the Father that the, this promise flows, this gift flows. You ask for it. Holy Spirit, fill me. Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Any variation of any of those, fill me. I want all you have to offer. You receive by simply surrendering yourself Here's the problem, you have to start and then the Holy Spirit enables and gives you the ability. If, if I've seen it a million times, I've seen it once, I've seen it a million times, praying the prayer and standing there lips locked, it, it's not gonna come. You've gotta open your mouth, worship the way that you can worship. Pray, believe God will take over after you begin and the Holy Spirit will begin to fill your mouth with that beautiful heavenly language that moves mountains in the spirit realm, amen? Here's the deal. We're gonna do things a little bit differently. The altar call is going to serve in two purposes. Number one, if you're walking in that power and you've experienced that, God bless you. I'm believing that God's gonna to continue to use you in great and mighty ways. Number two, if you're here today and you want to pray with someone, like we've seen in Acts on several occasions, there was a laying on of hands, an agreement. And that may be appropriate for you today. Elena and Hannah are both here to pray with you. They have experienced it and they're here to pray with you. And the rest of our prayer team is also available. They all are faith giants to pray with you and lead you into that gift. But I want you to understand it is a gift. Last week was Mother's Day. At the end of our service, I said, ladies, would you please grab a gift on your way out? Make sure you take the gift that we've provided for you. Same kind of deal. Listen, you wanna come and pray? Make sure you get the gift before you leave. Yeah? It's a gift that will change everything. <laughs> so don't miss it. You may say, well, wow, I've, I've, I've prayed with people before, but I really resonate with the story, the testimony of the personal prayer time. And I'm believing that God's gonna do that in my life. God bless you. 
There's no pressure here. I don't want anybody to walk out saying, well, I didn't go up there, so therefore I must not want the gift. Listen, this is about you and God. He has a gift that he wants to give you. We want you to have it, amen? So we wanna make room for that. However, it happens to God be the glory because great things he's going to do in your life, amen? So I'm gonna have the prayer team move into their position right now, please. And I'm gonna close in prayer. Hannah and Elena are also available to pray with you. Listen, as we close in prayer, Jeremy's gonna keep playing keys. If you're going on and, and, and going home, God bless you. We want you to do that. But if you wanna come and pray and receive, come. Get your gift on the way out today. <laughs> I don't mean to make it sound so common because it's not. It's supernatural. What I'm trying to do is to remove all the nuance and all the misunderstanding and all the baggage that unfortunately has, out, has been out there around this gift. People feel some kind of way about it. Listen, it's a gift. Hannah's illustration. You get a gift, doesn't really matter what's in it because you know the giver of the gift is good. Amen? The giver of the gift is good. This is the promise of the Father. Jesus said, go and receive power. So Lord, I, I pray right now for everyone in here today, Lord, if they come and pray together and receive, if they go home and receive at home, or if they've already experienced this wonderful thing, pray God, no matter what, for every person in this room today, that we would be used mightily of you that you would fill us all, use us in great and wonderful ways in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.